0: and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby pod, and in the last week since we did a podcast, so much has happened. There have been Olympic medals, there's been a Rasi Erasmus video, there's been throats to the neck, people <laughs> taken out in the air. In between all of the politics, a Lions test, we got an All Blacks test coming out this weekend, the Bunnings NPC started, the FBC is underway, it is outrageously busy in the rugby world. I'm Ross Carl, joined by Bryn Hall, James Parsons. Boys. Got an hour and a half to eat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's reschedule everything else. Yes. This is super important. Let's start with the gold medal. Yeah. Wow, those girls, from their skills to the way they approach life, mm. they have got gold medal riddled all over them.
2: I'll tell you one, the biggest thing around, they were the massive favourites going to that competition, you know, I think, but the fact that they showed a lot of resilience, that Great Britain game, you know, down 19-0, was it 21? 21 19-21-0, to come back and show their resilience but would have enough composure to win that game. And obviously the Fijians who, if you look at the, previously in the Oceania competition were getting blown up by the New Zealanders so their transformation in the last you know a couple of months to be able to put themselves in extra time mm. and then again the girls showing composure again to win that and then came into the final and then were obviously convincing in that but um, they showed great composure through that competition especially with being gold medal favorites but um, yeah I thought it was great for them and especially with the heartache that they had previously five years ago yeah it's a hell of a story
3: oh it's massive and and I suppose like for me I went into the environment of both sides, and, and let's not, um, I suppose, fade away from the silver uh, Olympic medal, like, mm. I think that's a massive feat as well. I know we're focused on the gold, but the, the boys had a, a, a massive challenge, and I think getting to that final and, you know, unfortunately falling at the last hurdle, uh, but a silver medal's uh, pretty formidable. but. Going into both those environments, both of them are so welcoming, genuine, and authentic. Mm. And I think that's just how they live their lives in, in terms of their preparation as well. Like they're really authentic in their prep. And you can see that, that that comes through in the execution of it. And, and in the big moments, their leaders stood up in both teams. And I think it was just a great, um, I suppose, celebration of that sevens program and the work they'd put in over a number of years. Because let's not forget, I know every team's the same, but there wasn't that World Series build up. There's mm. been a lot of distractions in and around this and building towards when this was going to happen or not. So to see uh, the, the ferns get the, the gold and the men get the mm. silver was
2: was massive yeah just also like individual it's sevens as a team game but I thought Michaela Blyde was the massively a massive difference for them you know um I thought her playthrough throughout and big moments just talked to obviously big moments in games the leaders stepping up and like I thought she was the difference in that campaign when whenever things the, the the Kiwis really need someone to step up and score tries or put them in a position to be able to score a try I think Michaela was at the forefront throughout the whole duration of that tournament she's incredible yep. Like the take when she takes that outside break yeah she's gone yeah well, oh. yeah, well, very similar to Porsche. Yeah. You know, Porsche Portia, obviously Porsche come back. She's had a great story around having a big injury, and um, was great to see her back here on the field. But I think you know, Porsche was very Porsche. just going early in her career around you know get her give her the outside, and she just got the speed to be the person on the outside. So you know, Michaela's done that um, again, and having those two on the wings was was formidable for the, that. For the that focus on
3: her face when she busts the line, man, yeah. Like, yeah. she means business. When she's yep. when she's out there playing, she means business. And I think playing with a niggle towards mm. the end, but just gritted yeah. her way through it. Um, sort of went off came back on um in that final and, and made some big plays i mean there was a number of you know players that were yeah. outstanding throughout the tournament but yeah she was definitely from it yeah. i thought scott curry for, for the men was the best in tournament really the, i mean some of his carries his post contact meters would have been huge um you know and and i think you know when you come up against a fijian side that doesn't use semi rad radra yeah. I mean, that shows yeah. how good they are and, yeah. and, and what, a, what a challenge that would have been to tip them up.
0: Yeah, they when you watch them play in that final, the Fijians, there was a feeling like, this is the team. You know, yeah. New Zealand stayed in it, but you know, sometimes you watch a game and you're like, this is the team, yeah.
3: Well, it was crucial, I think it was a crucial time, I think uh, Regan Weir was running down the sideline and, and I think because of the hot conditions, the ball just slipped out. Mm. as we all know sometimes playing in south yeah. africa it's like that uh Australia you know, as well. we've been in there with japan you know brisbane mm. um and, sure. and they went down well, <laughs> sure yeah of course uh, but they went down the other end um and scored and, and then sort of made that buffer a little bit tougher but had we got on the end you know we, we would have been a chance no doubt but uh, though they'll be ruining probably the slow start, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Fiji got off to yeah. two quick tries and, and then they were always having to claw their way back. Yeah.
0: There was some interesting stuff going on in there uh, as far as how those big 15 stars like Samir Andrandra was used mm-hmm. and then also Samu Karevi used in patches. We saw Caleb Clark left out of the New Zealand team. Is bringing 15 superstars now a thing of the past?
2: Is, is that not necessary in sevens? Um, I don't think it's uh, in the past because I think if you look previously you know when we've had commonwealth games previously when it wasn't in the olympics you'd have guys like Liam mess and ben smith that would come back and um, i just think the sevens game has just has gone to another level so i think being able to be acclimatized to that kind of style of play you need probably need to be in there a little bit longer so you know caleb had maybe one series two series and that's it and been able to acclimatize him back to playing sevens rugby so i don't think it's gone because guys like that um you still want them in the squad but i think um it's it's full credit for the fijian team as well you know, with the amount of players that are playing seven on that world seven circuit and from the last time that they didn't win that that gold medal you know they've just grown to grow more and then those players that are playing consistently are playing in that kind of form of being able to play sevens every week every, or every tournament i couldn't
0: help but feel that there are a couple of times when the ball went to the left wing that if caleb clark had the chance with the ball in his hands he could bust a guy and go over and score and they were short of a guy like that like a mm. you know a power guy out on the flank
3: yeah, yeah oh look we know Caleb's pretty special but I think the disruptive nature of the World Series hampered his opportunity Mm. of uh, and and, you know Clark had to pick genuine seven threat and you know you know we talk about Radra, he's one of the best players in the world at the moment he couldn't get on the field for Fiji so it is a different game and if you don't have runs on the board and that sort of style and understand the tactics and the important nature and I suppose the intricacies of of Seven's play Mm then you know you you probably best to go with a sevens you know specialist
0: okay, let's jump from one thing to the other using cheslin colwey because he would no doubt be uh, an I think, outstanding I think he'd, sevens he'd player right now quite well. <laughs> he'd go pretty good uh he's not going great in that he's not getting any ball for South Africa, they got the win on the weekend. Um, he was caught up in a bunch of stuff, like so many players were, with these massive up and unders, the contestables, and the fact that that appears to be the way that this game is playing out over there.
3: Yeah, I was really excited early on. I think it was around the 10-minute mark. Um, South Africa about 30 out, and they they used the blind. They went the blind, uh, made a little bit of a, a breach, and then they came back to the 15 and you know crashed there and it wasn't on open so they went back to the blind said Iraq came back to the 15 and then it was obviously on the pitcher was on to call it um to the open they called it they broke on the edge because they'd sucked in the Lions defenders and they got Colby some space and I yeah. thought they're they're here to yeah. play and I was like this is great you know they've got a clear tactic Yet they want contest contestable out of their half but when they get close they're here to play and then he broke he breached down the edge there's a little bit of slow ball and then South Africa went back to a one-dimensional, one-off runners, and they ran out of, uh, you know, options really. And, and Arm just put a grubber through, which Bigger picks up and they end up getting a, a breakdown penalty and, mm. at, you, know, ex- you know, getting out of their half. And I was just surprised that that was the only time we saw that tactic. Pretty much after mm. that, it was, you know, they scored two great tries off the mm. back of forward dom- dominance and then, you know, using the kick. Um, but it wasn't so much um, i suppose the attacking flair that we were we were wanting to see
0: yeah
2: and the same probably goes for the lions they're not showing a lot either well i think you've also got to like you know it comes to if you're talking around how the springboks play it's really hard because if you don't if you don't want that aerial battle then you know you look at the escorts at how many of them are coming there's three people that are going The escorts. both teams are doing that so You'd be able to play off that is really hard, and so I thought you know they probably didn't. The previous week they won that aerial battle, whereas this week you know Hogg, um, Van Dammevaan made um, some un- uncharacteristic um, mistakes in their high ball, and then from that, the South Africans pounced that it through the ill-discipline, especially in the second half. You know they had ten penalties in the second half of the Lions, whereas the Springboks had nine in the first half. So it seems like the ill discipline's is a massive part of that because um, when they are getting those kind of um, those penalties, the three points that's what um, you know Pollard was doing in, the, in that second half. So. Both teams are probably going to sort out that discipline aspect, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you.
3: I think discipline is a big factor. 15 penalties and a lot in yeah. the second half. Turnovers, another one. 14 turnovers to the Lions to the Springboks 6. So a little bit more clinical with the ball, the Springboks, and that's probably enabled them to score. But mm. I agree with you. I don't think the Lions are playing like… We were talking uh, a few weeks ago when the, in the build-up games. Yeah. I was like, I'm loving the attacking, mm. yeah. you know, the tips, the balls out the back. Um, the willingness to play and I think around the nine-minute mark um, you know the lines are in the 22 and it's literally pick and go pick and go pick and go and then you know penalty go for three yeah. and it just it wasn't the same flair or willingness to play and I, I believe like you're one up in the series this was the game to chance your arm and, and mm-hmm. go and win the the series and it seemed a little bit you know reserved I suppose in, in, the, in the style of play that we w- we'd seen weeks previous and then you know all that possession and territory they didn't get reward for it and that's that first half they had 60 percent possession 60 percent territory and got no reward and i think it was sort of exposed the most in that 34 minute when the scrum wheeled one way and they picked the way it didn't go it didn't wheel and if, if Conan had just picked the mm. ball he, he probably could have got over for a try but maybe they're just a little bit more in a robotic mindset rather than playing what's in front of you because as you know with a scrum yeah. if, if it's it wheels there. one way most eights will just pick and go because yeah. there's no point going the other way because there's sevens already up in their face and as it did he scooped Conan Murray and mm. he gets smashed and yeah um, it, it turned over and then from there they go to the corner and they get held up over the line yep. right and then they take the three it's like you've just gone to the corner why is your mindset shift you've got them on the ropes yeah. and they needed. i just feel they needed <coughs> that reward like we said last week the momentum shift was going to the corner and scoring yeah. and, and just after half time last week but this week they had the same option just before half time yeah. but took the three and then yeah. i just felt like after that you know they obviously lost the, the battle of the second half yeah. and they just couldn't find their way back
0: yeah, and, yeah. Definitely. Why would that be? You know, when we saw their intent through all of the games leading up to the test, yeah. Why would they not be showing that same intent?
2: Well, I think it's 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 a different team that they're playing. So obviously they played Japan, um, and then played obviously the Super Rugby teams. They're a little bit different intensity wise. So South Africa traditionally a real physical. And if you look at the the collisions around both that that South African team in the breakdown and how disciplined they are around the ruck, it's really hard really hard to attack. So you know and even even from their box kicks you know Fifth clerk and pollard's box kicks their chase and the ability to be able to counter ruck through that and then get still like man pepe got a steal as well off those kicks as well so it's really hard to be able to attack when you, first and foremost you're losing the the breakdown battle not getting a really quick ball and then when they are kicking it to you they're kicking in those five meter channels and then you've got a whole line of the wall that's set up and then they're bringing line speed pressure again and it's just a continual battle of, of jumping in a couple like that
3: i think the key bit there is the line speed mm. so if we look at the when they played the sharks and there are a couple of intercept tries, mm. maybe because it's test match pressure they're like well, i don't want to chance my arm of mm. you know like you, you get up and bigger was orchestrating it quite well that you know they did that four man switch play with a cross field yeah. kick to a toji so they were trying to come up with things but they couldn't break down that that pressure of that line speed pressure that mm. arm and, and delande put on and, and their wing is sort of going halfway house and i think that's probably why they've got out of it because they we're prepared to chance their arm against, say, the Sharks because they know that they're probably going to score enough points. Mm. Mm. But if they're going to give the Springboks or Colby a chance to intercept, yeah. you know you're probably going to be under your sticks. So it's maybe that, that reserve nature because it's test match footy that they are mm. not been able to break down that line speed pressure, I think, that the Springboks are putting on top yeah. of them.
0: So they know that it, it worked in the first test, it hasn't worked in the second well, test. Do they go again in the third? Well,
3: you saw Bigger early go for a little short trips. Yeah. So he was putting in a little attacking kicks. They weren't accurate enough to do what he was trying to do, but he was trying to slow their line speed by putting those little dinks in behind yeah. early to say, hey, look, this could be an option for us. And, and it just was hopefully saying to the Springboks, just reserve your line speed because if I get one of these right. Yeah. Uh, we could be on the end of a try but it just didn't stop uh, it wasn't accurate enough and it and it didn't stop and then they didn't get enough
2: um yeah. you know opportunities I, th- yeah, I think two things for the lions that probably they do need to work on and they probably won in that first test is you got to win the area battle especially with a team that's put in a lot of kicks and contests like that you can't afford to lose as many loose balls that they did so obviously mover and um the movie. Watson. and the move out and Watson obviously and, and Hogg as well being able to have those fumbles which then puts you in a position where you're not going to be on the field, field where you want to be and then the discipline as well you know that first half they gave away five penalties and they were actually playing like Gypsy they had the, the bit of the position in the territory but when you're giving 10 penalties away in the second half you're consistently always going to be in your half so no doubt Warren will be talking around the defensive um um, Breakdown and their decisions that break down in the second half, and then also winning the area where that could be Liam Williams coming to the fold for Stuart Hogg, possibly. So, the
0: selections when
2: you know it's an aerial battle becomes a big
0: thing. Let's forget about whether oh. you can beat a man one on one, let's forget about all those things for your wingers and your full back. Catch
3: that ball. Yeah, I think there's more to it than that. Like, forwards have got a role to get back and protect their mate. Like, you're not allowed to change your line, but you can sprint back towards your player and create a nice little pocket for them to jump into without, you know, feeling that pressure and if, and if, if there's two, two of you that work hard for that yeah. you that's you helping your teammate out to make that job easier because it's it's really hard those yeah. high balls coming forward under pressure you don't know what's you know and you can sort of give your teammate confidence say it's me it's me yeah. rather than them thinking it's a South African yeah. player mm-hmm. and the, and the other thing is is when it's their turn to put contestals up they go up uh, a vendor mover um, taps it back mm. and no one's in the pocket yeah. do you know what I mean so like if you if, you, if you're not going to get up to try and catch it clean and your you, your strategy is to tap it back well let's train with someone in the boot that's going to pick up that tap back because at the on the weekend there was one time it went back 20 meters yeah. and they got taken out I think Henshaw got taken out yeah. um and it's spring box ball it's an easy exit so the contestant is supposed to be for you if you're kicking it so yeah. you should have a plan around that and know that if your player is going to be tapping back let's get a guy in place in that sort of yep. six o'clock area to, to actually get the ball yeah. back
2: because I think all in what well, yeah, you do that as well so obviously you've got a real big if you look at the pitches of both teams the escort players you know is, pro, is really really good There's It's about,
3: definitely improved yeah the second test 100 like both sides were really focused 100% on the
2: like you had three guys you could see them working off the board to be able to give them little pockets where they can get up and, and contest the ball but I guess my biggest thing was that yep you can have that there but at the same time you've got a responsibility as a fullback or a winger to go up and get them. if you've got a clean catch and those boys have done their job you've got to have the ability to. Be Able to catch that ball and not put your team under pressure, where I thought um, Hogg a little bit on the weekend was a little bit guilty of knocking on that ball.
3: I think where both sides struggled though was when the Contestables came off 10 because nine's so predictable. Yeah. They create the centipede and you can almost be proactive in moving. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like as a forward, you're not, you know, you don't all have to charge, so you can almost start moving before he kicks it, so it gives you a head start to protect. Yeah. Whereas when they went off 10, both, you know, um, Pollard did it and and Bigger did it. Even at, at, towards the 22, they put up contestables. Yeah. Those wingers don't quite have that protection. So that's when, you know, you've really got to work hard for your teammate to be able to create that p- protection and, and I think if they're going to keep with those contestables, mm. going off tens probably a, a, a better option on attack because yeah. it, it isolates them a little bit more than that centipede which allows you, you know, you sort of know what's happening as soon as Explain the centipede for people who don't know what it's, it is. So it's a little ruck work. and yep. they stack up players behind yeah. so that they can get distance away from the opposition so they can't charge it down and then guys yep. like me old mate put it <laughs> exactly on the money and... Yeah. Um, yeah but I always feel those are easier ones to escort than because yeah. if you use um if you use the example of the try I know it's not a contestable but in the 22 you can see all the lines players are quite tight they're focused on the forwards and they're about to rush off the line to make a tackle but they go straight out the back to Pollard and they're caught short defensively yeah. so the rush l- line can't get up yeah. and he puts a nice little kick in and and the res- rest is history but it, w- it had to come from the ability of the forwards to dominate but two mm. the expectation of those high kicks can can create that
2: and the, the thing with the with the off 10 compared to the nine is that with the nine the ball stationary so you can actually just be set as defensive line knowing that that's going to come but when you're kicking off 10, you've still got to be able to, you know, hold on. If they're going to run that ball, you've still got to go forward, be able to kick, connect, and say, oh, they actually might be running here. And then when they do put that kick up, your body has to be turning so you're not set. And then it's a lot harder when you've got a guy that's running past you real quickly because you can't change direction, you can sprint early, but... Mm. the difference of having like three or four people escorting you like you do off the nine it comes to maybe like one and then it gives you a chance of that like your, your outsides to so be able to get up and have an opportunity instead of going through three people trying to catch the ball it's just a one-on-one you can be it's a little bit easier to get the um, to get the ball back so the escorts are from the defensive side and they're there essentially to protect
0: their man going up that's the yeah, that's yeah, you can't change you can't change direction, direction. I got, you've yeah. got
3: to just run towards
0: yeah yeah so as yeah. an attacking player what do you have if you're running towards the ball that allows you to get in and around these escorts. Is there anything in your favour? It's
2: well, if you, you are doing, you've got to get faster. around them. So I think first and foremost, the kick has to be on point. If you kick it a little bit too long and you've got three or four players in and around there, you're just not gonna have a chance to get up for the ball. So I um, look at Conor Murray, especially early on in the game, his kicks were about like 18 to 19 meters. So then it gave a really good chance for them to try and beat the escort and then get up to try and go for the ball. If it's a little bit further, then you take that guy out of the game. But you know what the um, South Africans did really well, even if it was a little bit long, not Pepe and the guys in that wide break then would actually counter ruck get past the ball and that's another way that you can try and do it as well but um yeah that's probably the way yeah. i'd say it. so if you
3: can't compete in the air it's you know if you can get a good chop tackle and someone on the yeah. ball which they did a number of times yep because the the Lions, i suppose defenders or the cleaners are in front of the guy catching mm. the ball they actually have to come round. Yeah. To clean. So yeah, you can get a if turnover. you don't yeah. get in a fight with a guy escorting and you just focus on, okay, well, they've won that battle mm-hmm. but I'm going to win the next one, get them to the ground and get a turnover, which the Springboks did really yeah. well a number of times.
0: There was a moment where Stuart Hogg took a high ball and there's that rule where if you take the high ball and then you get held up, you get the ball back, it doesn't become a turnover. I was watching that and thinking, I don't really like that rule because it really, you put in a really good kick. You've got a really good chase in, you've got the guy and you've held him up, and now you're not being rewarded for it. It seems like an, an odd rule like that.
3: It is, but I think it goes back to that strategy. We all know that rule, so mm. chop him. Yeah. Get him to the ground and get the turnover, because that's that's your advantage. That's your point that yeah. you can get a turnover. Yeah. So it's just being aware of the rules and, and knowing that that's not going to work for you. And if you want to get the ball back, you've got to get him to the deck
0: the lions obviously didn't know the rule because they they were celebrating afterwards like they, were, they, yeah. they how far off the mark do you have to go before it's not
3: no, that all rule all he has yeah. to take what three or four yeah. steps he'd have yeah. to run yeah three or four steps um, yeah. to make it yeah. clear that he's attacking yeah. rather than yeah. catch held
2: up yeah. sometimes that actually might not be a bad thing though if you're dominant if you're dominant have a dominant scrum you know you actually don't mind if that's the op- the opportunity that comes that way but um yeah so uh, let's talk that Springboks very dominant scrum. Yeah, yeah especially
3: their bench their bench came on and really dominated in that second half you know yep. that was a big front row yeah um you know um both normally tight heads the two reserves and, and, and quite yeah. hard to go to loose here. but they just had complete yeah. utter dominance but also more importantly dominance scrum time and in the mall like that mall they you know i know um arms try Was spectacular but it was the work of the forwards that sucked in their forwards but also made price go onto the blind side to defend so he couldn't get in behind and protect that kick space Mm -hmm. and i know they had the advantage and it was an advantage play but Still, the damage has been done by the boys up front that allowed that opportunity yeah. to present itself.
2: And just it's a great heads-up play by Fuff as well because knowing that obviously price the more it goes infield, the more you have to worry about that blind side. And traditionally, the nines end up holding there. Like we have that um, as a nine, so you're consistently worrying about the switchback if they want to go back that way, and you've got to hold that short side, but. The fullback as well, in those kind of positions of the field, tend to be getting to last to cover the crossfield kicks, so it was a great heads-up play by Faf around seeing that space, but I also thought just around the set-piece, you know, talking around the, the replacements that came on, you know, was massive, this, probably the 70th and the 74th minute when they got the scrum pinners and really turned the screw and putting the game out of reach through that. So um, I talked to last week around um, the bench with the Lions coming on and their set piece, but you know, I thought the scrum, especially in the 70 and 74th minute, were crucial scrums to be able to really turn the screw and then probably was the end of the game due to their set piece dominance and those yeah. scrums as well.
0: And the, the seven penalties that came in the last 20 minutes against the Lions. Yep. Yeah. Really, right. yeah. yeah.
2: That was all breakdown and, and more yeah. than scrum.
3: Yeah. You know, like that's, it's, you just can't get your game going and, and it's it just, I suppose I, I I do hope like I understand the contestable king game but there is a balance you know like I, I think that, you know both sides ran 179 meters and 105 meters yeah. Yeah. you know that's you know we're talking most yeah. other games like most super games are around 700 meters yeah. you know so like there <laughs> there is literally not a lot of play yeah. going on yeah. and I think if if the team that wants to win it has to chance their arm yeah. a bit this week and and, yeah. and back their skill set back their ability to break down defense mm. um over that 80 minute period yeah yeah, yeah entertain us
2: well <laughs> to be honest it'd be great to see if you yeah. think about like one of the teams gets off to a night zone so let's say the lines get off to a head, uh, great head start get two tries early on and if they'll keep implementing that kicking in because i've seen the South Africans a lot of time before they have that obviously they can play that style and they've been successful successful in that second test match, but we've seen test matches against the all blacks when they use their big physical ball carrying forwards in the middle of the Fred, you know they they have that 3-3 setup they can hit the 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 forwards and then they can play out the back and they have Pollard running and he's got a great long pass to be able to hit the forwards or go out the back like they did early on in the game so um I probably don't think we're going to see it but I think they're probably going to stick to it but um, you know, if, they, if the Lions do get off to a great head start, then maybe we might see a little bit more expensive rugby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, enough of the rugby. Let's talk about the stuff everyone else
0: is talking about. <laughs> um, we have seen Rasi's video since we were last on an hour long <laughs> diatribe, um, looked like it was for Joe Schmidt and Joel Jute, um, but really watching it, it seemed like it was also recorded for the entire world. And then it was put out to the entire world. If you had an hour. Yeah. Yeah. If you had an hour. Num-
2: number one what was he thinking well it worked yeah but didn't necessarily so, and what I mean just by that not like obviously um it's probably frowned upon him doing that but what he did do and it probably added more anxiety throughout for, for the refs and if you look around I thought Ben O'Keefe did a fantastic job on the weekend around commentating the situation communicating to the players around what he was looking for and even what I did like is where in game you could hear him communicating to the to the TMO so from what Rusty's messages were you know the referees almost had to stand up but uh, put their game on another level mm. to be able to um see the the, the light that was probably shone on nick berry and the assistant referees in the previous test match
3: i think if you listen to see comments after the game he goes this has been the toughest week for me as a captain and as a leader and i think it took a bit of pressure off them mm-hmm. and, and took the spotlight off the players put all the spotlight on himself and allowed them to just focus in and now what they're about and 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 they were a fast slicker outfit in terms of their discipline to stick to their their game plan like their defence they had no ball or territory in that first half and they just kept grinding away grinding away grinding away to eventually get the rewards Mm. in the second half compared to the week before where they just weren't as accurate or or as disciplined to stick to that they stuck to their strengths and and that was down to their leadership and and what they would have demanded during the week and having that ability just to zone in on their own game their own performance and let i suppose russie take the noise um you know would have helped their their preparation a lot
0: um it worked but is it a good idea it it seems to me like who would want to referee if you know that that kind of stuff is going to be out there in the open from one of the most respected coaches in the world or was one of the most respected coaches in the world there's
3: there's channels in place already to do similar thing but i don't think it should ever be made public mm. um look i didn't watch the hour thing i i, I don't don't have an hour of my life to spend watching <laughs> the, the intro took 12 minutes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I look i I, look, I i fast forwarded a bit and saw that he was critiquing a few calls and stuff and um you know what he was saying and some of them were, were correct but there are uh, you know i suppose official channels to go through and i think refs are really open um to learning like players are um, and, and just like we get clips cut of ourselves making mistakes, you know, th- I think they, they, are, they're open to that and, and they want it, but I think they'll just respect it done on the proper channels yeah. and, and the, you know, I suppose the processes that are in place. Yeah.
0: It's, it's difficult. I mean, a big respect to why mate Ben O'Keefe because yep. wow, also, has a ref ever been under that much pressure?
3: Yeah, but also his team, like Nick Berry was there on, on the touches and, and so it was a similar team and and like nick berry was the ref the week before like there was a lot of stuff on him as well and 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 i suppose the tmo so i think them as a group and the way they worked Mm. and the way they prepped during the week allowed them to be successful on the night Mm.
0: yeah yeah (coughs) he Did crack down on everything. Like he was he's superb in the way that he spoke mm. to each individual, the way that he commentated the players through the game. Yep. But he was very officious, and
2: they all were because they knew the spotlight was well and truly on them. But I think as as a player, probably you can because you obviously have been a captain a lot of times having open communication between players is, is really important. Sometimes you can find when you're, um, if, and refing, refing, refs have different styles and some refs you actually just can't talk to because it's not their relationship, it's not their style, and so you've got to obviously word it and be a little bit different. But for me personally, I love guys like Ben who actually have a real good um, a game, a great game understanding, but actually have real good people skills and can actually have a communication, but he's got a really good balance then. But like, you know, I don't want everybody talking to you that we can have a chat but if I need to lay down the law and I want to talk to just two captains then that's it and so that's what he did very early on you know he set the tone early on mm. I think it was the very first penalty he could have actually played an advantage for him what was um Vinipolo rolling away but he set the tone straight away there was there were eight penalties in that first 20 minutes so he wanted to suit his dominance really early on and I thought his communications because we've already talked about was great
3: I think he took the captain tactics out of the game like he just took control yeah. like, as someone watching I was just like anytime so yeah, or Alwyn Jones mm. wanted to talk to him. He was just like, no, no, not the time. Well, yep, let's both of you come as a director mm. enemy. You know, he took mm. real control and authority and it, and it almost sends a message to you as a captain. There's no point yeah. um, trying For any sure. angle here. Let's just actually play rugby and, and nail our job. And, yeah. and that was, I suppose, what, what he got, but he didn't get quite the changes he wanted. Uh, there was a bit of a tussle every 10 minutes, especially mm. in that first half. Um, but I think that last 30 minutes, you know, from an e- entertainment point of view, the, the Springboks really came to life and, and I think they grew in confidence mm. and they would worn the lines down and then finally got the, the, the reward for that.
0: Mm. Let's talk about those confrontations. We've got Carl Sinkler up for biting. Stuart Hogg was allegedly biting but that didn't go anywhere. We've got um, Maru Etoje's knee on the neck of a player for a significant period of time. I don't know, maybe in the replay it seemed longer, but it seemed like a long time. Um, very few people going to the judiciary over this. Uh, were
2: you surprised that we didn't see Etoje in the judiciary at least? I think for, that, for definitely for that action because it's a knee to the throat, you know, and so um, especially when it's something like that, it probably is due to, go to the ju- at least the judiciary around that so because um, there are a lot of things that do happen off the ball that don't get caught off camera and the ref and even the assistant referees can't see everything because there's just so many variables around contact you know a guy might be and in a ruck and there's three or four guys on him but then he's holding his neck and that just comes part and parcel with rugby you know so I don't think it's out of malice and it's not like they, can, they want to like hurt someone to that extent of like where it's like assault or anything like that but it just comes back to two two teams that are competitive want to get one up on each other and if you get an opportunity that where you do get to try and um one up on your on your other team or your other player then yeah it's yeah it's not that harmless I don't think again I'll developer. go back to the process the <laughs>
3: process man is the signing Commission is there and as a team you have the opportunity to say hey i want this cited mm. and clearly it wasn't from from their both their respective camps mm. when something like that happened the the players haven't pushed it any further off field to to get it cited yeah.
0: but what's the process there like are there some unwritten rules about what you cite and don't cite or complain about as a team nah, like look
3: if you're yeah. unhappy as an individual and you want it seen to you'll get it seen to. you can clip it and send it away to especially the teams like um Yeah, Yeah. I mean it it, it happens. Yeah.
0: So as a player, do you go to the manager? What do you do when you're in that situation? The sighting
3: commissioner comes in. All right. Go to the manager after the game, and 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 basically, manager comes in. Is there anything? You know, mainly to the leaders and stuff. Is there anything we need sighting?
0: Yeah. And do you set out protocols within the team or do you do it on a case by case basis? It was pretty clear. yeah Yeah. Yeah.
3: If you want something side, you'll probably come off the field (laughs) and say, I want that (laughs) side. Something's been thrown in the room. You'll be leading it. If if he's asking questions, you're probably fine. Yeah,
0: yeah fair enough. So, where does this test go this weekend? What are you boys picking?
3: (sighs) I I, I reckon Spring Box. Spring Box.
2: Yep. I think. I think they're going to make, the, the Lions are going to sort out their discipline issues and they're going to, the fortunate thing they have the last two weeks, they've got a pretty good clear plan of how the swim box play. Don't think really anything will change, possibly, they might do, who knows, because it's a and. Might be a little bit different but i think they'll be a lot better around uh, the high ball and the aerial battle i know Gats is massive around that so whether they want to change and maybe have liam williams coming or changing that or sticking with the tried and true but i think they'll be a lot better with the aerial game and their discipline i just don't think they're going to give away 10 penalties in one half and i think in big games like that penalties are massive and then for the way this this test match series is going winning the aerial battle is going to be massive
3: yeah i look i i think the springboks i think they'll keep the same group they'll roll them out again They've got confidence, they know the style of game they want to play, yeah. the, the physical in um, the nature and, and look to wear them down at home. Um, I, I think that's a big factor, but also I think the Lions, had they chance their arm and, and, and gone for it in Test 2, there's an inkling of a want to change personnel, you know, especially after that game um, and whether Gat sticks with them Uh, uh. um will be a big big factor but uh, look I think things could change potentially for them if they put Farrell at 10. Just a bit more of a mindset to play and run to that line not always looking I I felt like I know he came on when it's it's different times but he's definitely looking to set the attack alight and play at a tempo that that catches teams off guard and I think he could be a big factor and um them going ahead with price starting again
0: Interesting, interesting, especially with Finn Russell sort of in the back blocks,
3: you know, yeah. the style that he plays. Mm. Absolutely, but I think it would be too big a ask that he hasn't yeah. come off the bench or played, you know, yeah. like, I, I think you'd have to rely on, you know, potentially Owen starts and he could come mm. on the bench or something, but then again you're tinkering with a hell of yeah. a lot. Mm. And then, you know, it is really, you know, mm. test matches are one on the small margins, and the team that I know the Springboks will probably stick with the tried and true, yeah. and then if you tinker with too much, a lot of change in a, in a week and it yeah. could it could work yeah. but it also, it's a risk it's, it's a risk w- that's all, that's all I'm saying the
2: one thing that Gats has shown he's not afraid to do that if he does feel that he wants something different you know he's done it with Brian O'Driscoll he's done it with obviously team players that you'd think in through test matches and big games that are proven um he'd pick them but you know he's got sometimes gets has a bit of a feel and but they might actually might kill it, come collectively with the, the coaching group but you know I wouldn't be surprised if there's some names you're thinking oh, that's going to be something different and they're going to pick somebody different
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think there will be some changes in the Lions. Yeah, yeah, yep.
0: yeah. It's been a That's, dramatic yeah. tour, um, like all of them. Well, like dramatic, the, uh, yeah. it's amazing how the Lions bring out politics and drama and game plans and everything. It really is next level. Yeah,
3: well, I suppose it's just, uh, I suppose it's an element of respect to how big a Job Alliance Tourism, and, and you know, to get a victory over them, it means a hell of a lot in, in world yeah. rugby, and that's why it brings all of us yeah. um, into the conversation, I suppose. Yeah.
2: And just as well, like we talked about depth in the last test match, and I think and we probably knows, like doing back-to-back performances, especially that high intensity, it's really hard to, to replicate that. So, you know, if you do have the ability, where you can actually guys that haven't played in that the first two test matches, or have only played a little bit off the reserves and they're put into that third test match and haven't played that much, there's a lot of exuberance and a lot of like energy around that, so um, because they have stuck to the tried, and true, uh, the tried and true, and if they do do that again in the third test, you know, are they going to get the same intensity that they have the last two test matches? Because doing three test matches at that kind of level, it's really hard to um, keep doing those performances at such a high level. Let's come closer to home. The trans-tasman rivalry
0: we've got Bledisloe <laughs> 1 this weekend it's all but been ignored because there's been so much stuff going on like I feel like the All Blacks haven't really been spoken about for a couple of weeks but we've got a test match this weekend and they have got some interesting selections to make mm. Will it be Richie? Will it be Bodie? Will it, you know, what is going on within the flanker scenario? You, will Brodie Ritalik get back in the start? Like, there are so many questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me some answers. <laughs> Let's start oh, at 10.
3: Yeah, well, look, I, I think they'll probably stick with Richie. I think um, Foz, Fozzie made that pretty clear that he's got the nudge there, and I don't think he did himself any disservice um, from the last VGM performance. I think the spots that are up for grabs are probably that 13 spot you know we spoke about anton and, and reeks and and who, who goes there and um the locking position you've mentioned you know is it Brody, is it is it um barrett is it um you know paddy like, and what mix they go mm-hmm. for on the bench and i still think 678 is probably the biggest debate they'll have um and, and what what uh makeup of that and the bench will, will go you know arty performed really well dalton's performed really well uh, Todd Black, uh, Todd Blackadder, <laughs> Ethan Blackadder. <laughs> prefer- uh, performed Luke Jackson. Well. <laughs> I think Luke <laughs> yep. Jacobson, Hoskins. that's it's a really hard one because yeah. you know Hoskins did well as well, and and Luke's probably had more of the minutes, so you'd probably think he's got the inside running there, mm. and, and I think Aki probably has the sixth jersey um, at this stage, um, so it's that 7-8 how yeah. they go for and who's on that bench like it, it, that those are the those are the three areas for me 13 lucy's and and, yeah. and the locks that i think will be the yeah. the positions up for grabs from that last testing that ran out yeah you know, your mate in all comes at, at, yeah. into the 13 chat as well
2: i'm just gonna th- my probably those points as well i reckon winger the left winger role um will be interesting um i think that's is isn't it well i think you know i think the fact that you know will jordan could be injured he did obviously have that injury um, in that last Fiji test match so like if he's not available then you know does that George come back and then Sebu comes back or does Rico possibly play 11 mm. as well or if Geordie. they feel, yeah, or, or Geordie we as well,
3: right mm. you know so away.
2: um yeah because you think about Will he had a great test match series with the playing the um, Fiji and the Tongans so um yeah I'm probably thinking around there might be a little bit of difference in there who they have that left wing winger and then you know with Damo, Damo probably a fullback and keeping Davey Harvili uh, and depending if they want to have he's Anton. yeah Yeah. Anton or Rico as well so I wouldn't be surprised seeing Rico on the wing if um, Will was injured
0: yeah yeah what do they do with the 23 jersey if you've got Rico on the um yeah yeah. just bring him straight in
3: potentially yeah well he covers it's about having that cover coverage Mm. and if Rico's on the wing and yeah or potentially Geordie Barrett because they did use him at um midfield in Mm. that that Tongan game so it it actually probably will be Geordie Barrett
0: Mm. And we we imagine that Damien will
2: start at 15, that appears to be the way that it's going. Well I think it's from the, the, if you think about that test match against the Fijians, you know, the second, the first test match they did play, um, the Fijians played really, really well and then you probably saw more settled side going into the first test of the Blederslow who they probably stuck with the tri-entry, wanting a good performance going into the Blederslow. So I think based around um, that form of that game, I think those guys there like Damien will probably get an opportunity in that first test match to, to have a go against the Aussies. This test match could be so much different to the Lions South Africa test (laughs) match. It's going to be almost the exact opposite,
0: isn't it? I think you're going to see a lot lot more of of the chancing of the arm.
3: Oh yeah, both sides will want to come to play. But, um, you know, the the Wallabies had a lot of ball Mm. and territory um, and and didn't quite score the points that, you know, I I, I would expect with that amount. So uh, I'm thinking that they would have made some adjustments in their kick strategy and, and how much energy do they want to spend keep yeah. running into brick walls for two meters here around those in between the 240s mm. you know i think they need to play a little bit less rugby in there and maybe put on the boot or or see what other options yeah. there are rather than you know sucking the energy out of forwards for yeah. not much gain and and and, yeah. they, and and the french almost said yeah sweet we'll just keep tackling you keep tackling you and then when you turn it over we're gonna yeah. we'll, we'll go 80 meters mm. yeah. a- and I'm, i think you know no that was a french you know b side as you know but the All Blacks are ruthless in turnover balls, so if they're going to try and overplay yeah. in those 240s and the All Blacks get a turnover, yeah. uh, I think it'll be a long day at, the, at yeah. the office.
2: It'd be interesting to see how they go at halfback as well, because I think those kind of 40 metres areas that we've seen in the in the Lions series, you know, the contestable kick game is going to be massive and being able to get that right. So Nick White, you know, we've he's seen that we've him. seen that he's back, so do they bring him back with his experience around his box again he's obviously had some great success around the running of rugby or you know I thought Tate McDermott was really sharp in that in that um, French series and Jake Gordon obviously started as well but um, I think if you do want to bring back to Jip's style around having the balance around chance in our arm but then being able to execute a contestable game you know Nick White's done that um, definitely done that for the, for the Wallabies in the past
0: yeah yeah the all blacks will they look to continue the way that they did against uh, the islands where they're a bit, a bit more open or are we going to
3: see a slightly more uh, I, I think they'll continue with their yeah. up-tempo yeah um, that up-tempo style and and um the additions to their set piece strikes um but look we didn't see a hell of a lot of shift in their phase play it was just great execution at times yeah. um within the same system so I think they'll continue to do that but they'll still look for those quick throw-ins quick taps and and playing that up tempo and backing themselves to run over the top of teams in that last 20. Uh, back to this sort of theory of, you know, between 2011
2: and 15. Yeah, I think we'll see a little bit better in the breakdown as well. I think, you know, that Fiji was probably the very first Test match, there was a lot of um, penalties against us and then you saw a massive shift in the second game and I think when the All Blacks are at their best, they're consistently playing at tempo and because we've got such great men, big men that can have great skill execution and playing um, under pressure, I think, that breakdown will be massive. You know, you look at the last year series when we played Argentina and lost to Australia. Those those two Test matches, we lost the breakdown battle due to poor um, winning the race, which we've talked about on this podcast, mm. and not getting the board to play timber. Because when we are when we are playing that, we're the best in the world with our skill execution, to be able to um, to do that. What
0: lessons will they have learned from getting those numbers to the breakdown that they did last year? I
2: mean, how how do they turn that around? Like? Well, you see the Fiji, the third Fiji, the second Fiji in-game, it was an emphasis on footwork into contact, and then being able to go over the advantage line, but the two guys beside them having a job to do. We talked around winning the race a lot, so it's preempting where they're going to be, and so if you are carrying, having a ball carry, using footwork, getting over the advantage line through a good ball carry, and you're waiting to win in the race to be able to not give the jacklers an opportunity to do that, and going past the ball like we saw in that second uh, second test match against Fiji, then the up-speed tempo is, uh, is going to be there for us.
3: good fun I think just as well like respecting that the start of a test match is going to be physical so just earning the right for the interplay yeah and I think that's what the biggest shift was is it was just real direct in nature winning those winning the um ball carry contest but also winning those races like you say at the start but then still allowed them to play mm. their expansive style once they I suppose worn down the wall and mm. I remember at Eden Park when they first played the Wallabies last year it was quite a heated um start you know I remember Colsey and mm. um Tanilo tupo Tupou and and that having a few words so we know the first 20 minutes will be physical the Wallabies are a physical team mm. But it's which side's the most accurate within that physical contest that we'll be able to exploit it. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's where Brody could come into this because he brings both of those things, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, he does. Um, but I, I don't want to take away from Scott Barrett and, and Petty because I think they bring those things as well. Um, so it, it's, it's a tough selection. But Brody brings experience, the ability to, to win our own lineout ball mm. and steal others. Um, you know, I, I, there's just it's just so hard for that position like it, I, I've thought about it a lot but it doesn't really matter which way you go you, you, you're going to be well looked after
0: mm. he also brings it at training right so it's going to help their preparation when you've got a guy yeah. who brings that kind of intensity
2: yeah well if you look at last year it's probably uh an Achilles heel if you think at the start of the year we're thinking you know we've lost Brody, we've, we've had a few we Scott Barrett was injured so you know we had the likes of Tupovine. Vine Paddy took a real um, um grabbed that last year and was able to play some good footy so I think we are fortunate enough that we've got some great depth coming back with obviously Scott coming back and Brody coming back and um, like you said, when you've got a guy that's like Brody who's competitive and seem you he's a guy that you seem to want to stay away from at training because how <laughs> how massively yeah, competitive he competitive is, but it's great for the environment it brings an edge to because it brings an edge to training and it just it's going to make the locking group and the forward pack and the, the team in general much much better
0: yeah, with him and dane in the same <laughs> yeah, training yeah. i would imagine yeah yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> that'd be uh, <laughs> interesting to say the least i think it's just around Brody, it's like not rushing him like mm-hmm. he, he's been 18 months away and let, letting him just build his way back into those bigger minutes at, mm. at um, test match level and it will be a step up against the wallabies mm. uh, it'll be at a faster pace and tempo and and yeah, it might be him coming off the bench is, is a great great ploy for the 23 for mm. this week
0: let's switch to domestic because we've also got the bunnings npc starting this weekend on sky big game first up of course the counties are in action they're <laughs> opening with the you know the best of all the teams um so i'm gonna appreciate that seven o'clock on uh friday night against or 2 don't miss the mighty <laughs> county's Manukau Steelers but probably
2: sunday is where we're seeing the big games you're on yeah we're playing um Waikato um, so yeah, there was a tough. We've actually we really struggled against Waikato. Um, we haven't actually been um, that very successful with the last five, six years. I think we maybe had one win, and last year they really, really put our pants down. So um, for us, we've obviously got our preview and our, re- our preview with how we're going to play them. But I think first and foremost, in these early parts of the round, especially round one, we've been concentrating on ourselves and been able to get things right. And we've been fortunate enough this year that we've actually had a pre-season Last year we had COVID and. To came together as a group probably uh, four days before we played the all black canterbury team so um for us it's been great to get a pre-season and then um look we're really looking forward to playing at home which we love playing at home so we're looking forward to it
3: yeah look sunday's in terms of blockbuster and expectation sunday's it you know with auckland canterbury and bay of plenty tasman you know obviously four top sides from Mm -hmm. you know last year but regular years as well and Um, I think all the crossover matches are always key, you know, so you've spoken about the Harbour game, but then there's Wellington, Northland, um, Taranaki and um, Hawke's Bay as well, and it's like it's crucial for Premiership teams to win those. But also, if you win it as a Championship team, you're stealing points that Mm. potentially your other Championship teams can't get. So it's a big bonus and a a big carrot for those Championship teams for those crossover matches because there's not a lot of expectation for you to do. So you can actually go out there with a game plan to chance your arm and, and throw it at it, whereas it gets a little bit tighter for the team that's in the premiership who's expected to win and get off to a good start and if these teams the three premiership teams one of them loses all three of them lose or they 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 win it's a it's a big factor in getting a head start into into the competition. Mm. So I always like those crossover matches most weekends. I think they're the most interesting.
0: You will be watching every single game I June, <laughs> Plus I will the be, test yeah. matches. Yeah, yeah. Commentating What's, a couple yeah, too. So. Yeah, nine games over the weekend to watch. <laughs> <laughs> just <It's> a couple. <laughs> <Yeah>. The <laughs> missus just waves yeah. goodbye during yeah. <laughs> two months.
3: I'll see you on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She just sees me in the corner with my phone just <laughs> looking at game after game. You're
0: um, in the toilet for like hours on end watching the highlights. Yeah, yeah, Are yeah. you yeah. done in there? Oh yeah. Brent <laughs> 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 yeah, fair enough. Um, what about players look out for this year?
3: Is oh, there anyone you guys are really looking for? I touched on one, but there's another one that's come to my attention, in the Auckland squad is Solomon Kata. Mm. I think oh, we're, yeah. we're interested in Roger, but mm. Solomon Kata. He's of that Nani Lamapi vibe, um, and I think, man, that Auckland team's. Mm-hmm. That squad's looking pretty yeah. pretty strong in terms of the players yeah. and personnel they've been able yeah. to pick up.
0: The back three is higher. Yeah, and yeah. they've got a
3: solid forward pack of, of a lot of super experience that can provide the ball to set them alight. So, yeah, um, yeah I, 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 you know, he probably didn't get the opportunities he wanted at the Brumbies in terms of exposing and, and having the success that yeah. um, Nani did. But coming over here, he, he will be a real threat and I'll be interested to see where they play him. You know, he played a lot on the wing was effective for the brummies there but i think he's got the ability to play the midfield similar to yeah. me as well
2: yeah i think um for me just his kind of growth from super brave is Ruben love you know we saw him play at 10 it's gonna be interesting if they if they want him to play at 10 in the wellington or 15 um, because i thought he was great at 10 but traditionally he's a fullback and you know it might be interesting to see how go but I thought he was great during that kind of super rugby aotearoa and trans tasman as well so um we we'll be very very interested to see how his developments goes and whether he's going to play 10 or 15 or he has a hybrid of playing both um in-game for wellington and especially when you see those guys who get
0: their taste of that next level up and that so often they bring it back down to the bunnings npc and they're just on
3: fire mm. yeah, yeah absolutely um and and playing with a little bit of a flair and instinctive mm-hmm. nature of, of keeping that youthful enthusiasm will be key and not trying to be too robotic because my uh, mm-hmm. punning's NPC does allow you to ha- ha- play you know and, and show show you show your identity so seeing those young guys express that's important but as same as that is the old guys and, and Tom Marshall coming back to yeah. Tasman Mako I think huge because you know Davey's not going to be playing much Will's not going to be playing much yeah. and they were a big part of their success yeah. in, in their team environment and getting someone of his experience back um, we know he's really successful at this level, I think he's one to watch as well
2: yeah. and, and what he can do. Combined with Mitch Hunt, you've got two very strong drivers oh, there, don't you? yeah you Massive. do, yeah you do. And I think, um, just for a team to watch, I think, Bay Plenty, um, I think they've recruited really, really well, especially um, in, Mod- uh, in Bunnings, MPC. It's really, really hard to, to bring quality players in, but you know, they've got the likes of Fetu, uh, Akoi, Manaki, Selby, Rickers, um, you know, the likes of players that they've brought into that squad and Obviously, coming up to, uh, i in the premiership last year, obviously, we were the, the team that went down. But, you know, their growth and what they've had, and they've got a new coaching staff with Daryl Gibson there as well. So um, we played them on the weekend, and, you know, they'll probably be one of the favourites in the competition with um, their signings and how they've um, been going tracking the last couple of years. just want to go back to Solomon and Carter.
3: Is he signed for next year? don't know. I just saw him in the Auckland team today, so I was... I was Could yeah. be Moana Pacifica, maybe? Like, there's a good option yeah. for one of those players there
0: if he's popped over here to play a little bit of footy. yeah. Um, you know, we've got other guys like Sikorbe Kepu
2: playing for counties. You know, there's a few players around who yeah. could be nicely manoeuvred into that. What's well, even so nice, some of the um, Samoan teams in that, in that series have come to play um, in the Modern Ten Cup. You know, we've got um, we've got Henry who's come from Manu Samoa who had a great campaign, possibly playing for Mono Pacific, and obviously Henry Stow is down with Canterbury. You know, so um, and even the likes of Waisaki Holo possibly, you know, as well. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Pacific feel on it. And obviously, with minor Pasukka coming in next year, it's a great avenue for those guys that want to be part of that team mm. to have an opportunity to play for them. Well, there's plenty for everyone to watch this weekend as far as the Bunnings NBC is concerned. The All Blacks
0: test against the Wallabies. We've also got South Africa versus the British and Irish Lions, the decider. And play some whatever. rugby.
2: Yeah. Play some rugby. Lots of rugby. Come on. Run the
0: ball. Run the ball, please. Uh, also, before we go, I'd like to acknowledge Ra, our producer, who put the show together. He's moving on from us. So, thank you very much for everything. Uh, you've uh, done. Cheers, right. mate. Another great like to welcome Alex on board as well. And while we're throwing it out, also, big thank you to Kingsley, who's been running this studio for us, this incredible virtual studio, um, while we've been out of the Sky Studios for a couple of weeks. So thank you very much to you as well. To Brent Hall, James Parsons, I'm Ross Carl, and that was the Aotearoa Rugby Pod.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?